Hey everyone, welcome to the House Church Podcast. This is Pastor Jamie here. I'm so glad you decided to join us for today's broadcast. Every time we come together as a church, people encounter God. So my prayer is that you too would experience His presence and hear His voice for yourself. Please enjoy today's message. We just thank you that your word would be made alive to us, that a spirit of revelation and wisdom and the knowledge of Jesus would be made manifest in our midst today, that every heart would be alert, Lord, as you speak, as you direct, as you do what only you can. Lord, we thank you for that. So we invite you here, Lord, come in preeminence, Lord, rule among us, Jesus, be lifted up in our midst that we might know the way. We thank you for that. I bless our time together. We set it apart for that purpose. We pray these things in the Lord's name. Everybody who agreed to that said, amen. amen. Wow, there looks like there was some serious uh, <laughs> emotional stuff going off right here in this spot. So I don't know if I should beware or what, but... If anyone needs some Kleenex, right here. That's all, right there, all of it. The whole Kleenex factory showed up. We, uh, we had a, a little bit of a pilgrimage. Now, you know, some, sometimes there are trips that, uh, you know, you go, and for the purpose of this was literally a tour. But in the midst of it, there was a recognition that everywhere the, the soles of our feet were touching, everywhere we were walking, there was assignment attached to it as well. It's true everywhere you go that the Lord is with you. He doesn't leave you when you go on vacation. How about you know that? Right? Like, no, there's a, there's a sense of purpose and divine destiny attached to everything in your life. Every aspect of your life. He does not waste a thing. I got three amens out of that. He does not waste anything. There's nothing that he wastes. No such thing as a day off in the kingdom. You are connected. He is abiding with you, is with you. He goes before you. He comes behind you, every aspect of it. In this little bit of a journey here, we were experiencing that over and over and over. And so even though the purpose of it was to see, to taste, you know, to experience like Israel and see where the Lord, you know, had walked, there was also assignment attached to it and clarity attached to it. And today my hope, is that as I share out of the word, that you also will grab hold of that revelation about your life. We're going to talk about the story of David and Goliath today. All right, okay, yep. Few of us that are excited about that. Come on, do you remember the flannel graph when you were a kid? You go to a Sunday school class, you got a big thing of flannel up there, and David's like this big, and Goliath's like this big. You know, and the little shepherd boy knocks Goliath down and cuts off his head. That's a good Sunday school story right there. If you read that story, it's hilarious because David then carries Goliath's head around for the next couple days. Just everywhere he goes, there it is. Luggage right there, you know, just, hey, did you hear about this? Woo, there you go. Within this story... It's not allegory, it's truth. It was, we, we walked there. I'll show you pictures here in a little bit. 
We were there. We we're looking at it, and something hit me. Something we were experiencing it firsthand, but something came alive to me, and this is the thing I want to share with you today. Every aspect of your life has purpose. There is nothing that the Lord is wasting. Your trials and your tests are all a part of preparing you for what God has in mind for your life. Purpose matters. Every human being needs purpose. It's what draws you out of hopelessness. You need purpose. Look at your neighbor and go, hey, you have a purpose. Come on, look him right in the eyeball. You have a purpose. Somebody actually needs to hear that this morning. You need to hear this. If depression is taking you over, if you're questioning your life, if you're questioning what you're doing, if you're wondering if there's any meaning to this at all, I'm telling you today you have purpose. You were created. Your Father knows you, He loves you, and He is not wasting a thing. Every aspect of your life is a part of the journey. You know, well, why don't we do this? Let's open up to James chapter 1. James 1 and verse 2. If you guys know where I'm going, you're going to love this sermon. Let me read it for you, and then we'll, we'll talk about it a little bit. This is James 1, verse 2. Consider it joy. Anybody joyful today? Consider it joy. Love that statement because that means there is another point of view you could take. If you're considering it joy, that means you could consider it also a pain in your rear end. What are we considering joy? Oh, consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter trials and tests. Whew. When's the last time you hit a bump in the road on your journey and it was like it threw you for a loop? Driving on the freeway, a tire pops. Anybody happy about that? Middle of the night, you're like, oh my goodness. What in the world? I was late for something, and then this thing derailed my plans. Has anybody's plans ever been derailed by something that came upon you? You didn't choose it. It came upon you, and you began to bind it. Oh, I bind you, devil, because clearly any distraction from your plans comes from the pit of hell. Did you sense the sarcasm? I hope you did. No. Every aspect of your life, every test, every trial you go through, you should consider it all joy. Why? Because it's doing something in your life. It has purpose. It has an assignment. Doesn't mean that God causes the difficulties. He doesn't need to. The world is full of it. But he doesn't waste a thing. He will turn everything for your good. But it requires the choice to consider it joy. Consider it all joy, my brethren. When you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result. That's a great phrase, too. Let it have its result. That means you have an option. You could just go through the trial. It could be a pain in your end, and then it doesn't produce anything good in your life. It's all 
to do with how you choose to receive it. Is this trial going to produce endurance so that a perfect result comes about so you're ready for your race? Or will you consider it a harassment? Will you consider, oh, it's from the pit of hell, I bind you, devil, and you attack it even though it was trying to supply something to you? Are we happy yet? This is great. Can I tell you that like when people don't receive, like it just bounces back. It's great. So, so the harder a sermon is, more joyful I end up becoming. It's just wild. Like, you got this. Consider it all joy, my brother, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith will produce endurance. And let endurance have its perfect results so that you will be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. God has purpose for your life. In the concentration camps, you know, we were in Jerusalem a few days ago, and we went through a Holocaust museum, a memorial. As we're walking through that, you know, you're seeing pictures and, uh, of, of the Holocaust, of concentration camps, of all the evidence and all the stuff that took place, and you're hearing about people's journeys, and it was a difficult thing to walk through that. It was not, it's not a bright, sunshiny, happy thing. But in the midst of that, I began to remember something that took place in one of those camps. A man by the name of Viktor Frankl became a psychologist who helped war-torn veterans, people that experienced horrors, to come out of suicide and regain their life. And in the midst of those camps, he began to have these understandings that people who are experiencing such tragedy and such horror against them with no hope of survival, it's not possible that in the midst of that, people would give up hope and they would commit suicide. It was just like this never-ending horror. And he began to try to help people, and he realized this, that, the, that there is a key ingredient. You must have purpose to come out of a trial to rise above your circumstance. It's not just something happening to you. You have choice. You have power authority to do something in the midst of it, even though you might not have any options, it may feel like you're a victim. My friends, even if you are a victim of something horrible, in the midst of that, you have choices. To come out of depression, you must gain purpose. There has to be a purpose. You could say, Pastor James, well, how in the world could you have purpose in a death camp? What's the purpose of someone being put to death? It's not a comfortable story here, is it? This is, I watch a lot of people squirm in their chairs. You're already checking your watches. Woo, this is going to be a long one for you. Here we go. You know what he found? He would say this to people. They're like, what's the purpose of this? How can we find it? He'd say that your death would prove to the rest of humanity that evil exists and we cannot sit there and do nothing. purpose. Every time you go through a trial, every time you go through a test, it is supplying equipment to prepare you for what God made you for. Every test, every trial, 
is getting you ready. It looks like, oh, it's a mundane task. Right? You're a janitor in a building. How in the world does this have divine purpose? Did you know that every time you do something, every time you go through something, every time you have decision, choice, attitude of heart, that it might be the very door and stepping stone that proves that you're ready and opens the opportunity that God has prepared for you. And it can come from anywhere. So you think you're just greeting out there, not realizing your pastor's spying you out. Look at the attitude. Look at how amazing they are. Look at that one. Wow, they're ready. You can see it by the little things. It's not just the big things. It's the little things. Are you ready for this one? Come on. Ephesians 4 says that the Lord has given gifts to the body to equip it, to prepare it for the work of ministry. That work doesn't have to come from a pulpit. It comes from all of us. Grace to help one another be equipped for ministry, for work. Looks like a mentorship. It looks like a friend that's just teaching you how to move in a spiritual gift. Doesn't require titles. Doesn't require name badges. In fact, here at the house, let me encourage you not to wear your I am an apostle name badge to church. not against titles, it's just that those are purposed jobs, duties, not titles. They're functions. And if you're performing the function, it's obvious to all that you're equipping the saints to do that ministry. Amen. We're going to look at David's story today, and I'm going to just walk you through it. We're going to read it. And I'll make a few comments along the way, but what the goal of this today is, is I want you to recognize how God took David through various tests and trials to prepare him for his assignment. That's simple. And as we look at David's life, I don't want you to go, oh, so I'm called to slay giants. Eh, you know, I don't know. If you lop off your manager's head, it's going to be a problem, by the way. <laughs> Not going to work out so well. What I will tell you is this, is that the assignment on your life is waiting for you, and the Lord's preparing you through everything. And so as we read David's story, I want you to see yourself. What would you do? <laughs> First Samuel 16, verse 11. Samuel, the prophet, came to Jesse, and God told him that his job was to anoint the next king of Israel. That word, anoint, it literally means to mark. That's it. Sometimes we think of you know, especially in the charismatic church, we get weird about little words like that. Oh, the anointing was in the room. What does thou meanest? <laughs> because that word means that you got marked. It doesn't mean the presence. It doesn't mean anything. It just means you have purpose. You can anoint a table for purpose. You can mark it and go, that table is to put bread on. That's its purpose. Samuel came to Jesse to anoint the next king, to mark him. Are all these your children, he said? Oh, nope, there remains the youngest. He's tending the sheep, Samuel said to Jesse. Well, then send and bring him in. We won't sit down until he comes. 
So they sent and they brought David in from the field. He was ruddy with beautiful eyes and a handsome appearance. And the Lord said, arise, mark this one, anoint him, for this is he. So Samuel took the horn of oil and marked David in the midst of his brothers. And then the spirit of the Lord came mightily upon David from that day forward. And Samuel went home. When you're marked with purpose, when you are doing that purpose, the Holy Spirit of God will come upon you to accomplish it. You are not a generalist. It's not a general calling. It's specific. You have purpose. Sometimes we get mixed up and we begin to look at the general call of the body of Christ. This is what we're supposed to do in the world. And we lose sight of what your life's about. But you've been marked with heaven for a purpose. If I sat down and we had coffee, I'd say, hey, what's your purpose? Do you have an answer for me yet? Or is there still kind of some confusion there? Come on, let's keep taking the journey here. God anoints David. David has no idea what's in store for his life, though. So David's out playing his guitar in the field. He's just living his life. He's been anointed, marked to be the next king, but he's just a kid watching sheep. But something at the exact same time is happening to the king of Israel. See, as David is anointed, it says... This is verse 14, 1 Samuel chapter 16, verse 14. Now the spirit of the Lord departed from Saul, and an evil spirit from the Lord terrorized him. That's a hard verse. It's a difficult one. How do you explain that one? An evil spirit from the Lord is terrorizing Saul. The Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, has lifted off of Saul, is now resting on this little shepherd boy, and in its place, torment has begun to visit Saul. One is rising, and the other is going through a sifting. As you are embracing your calling, as you're stepping into purpose, chances are there will be generalists who are trying to manage lots of things that will need to let go of the thing you're anointed for. Huh. As John the Baptist is one of the leading voices in Israel during the time of the Messiah, Jesus is also anointed, and people begin to follow him. And John the Baptist's disciples are getting a little messed up. They're like, hey, Jesus and his disciples are baptizing now more people than we are. Wasn't that our assignment? And John the Baptist says something like totally remarkable. He says, ah, I must decrease so that he can increase. Welcome to the cycle of life. Generations, purpose. You have purpose, but your purpose doesn't own or control all of it. You are a part of the body. This is something that is so needing to be talked about in the body of Christ. You know, we have experienced this over and over. You know, the house church started off with eight people in a living room. And we've gone through many transitions. 
over the last 16 years. Lots of them. I mean, look, like you wouldn't fit in that living room. But back in the living room days, I was chief cook and bottle washer. I was leading worship, preaching, laying hands on people, visiting you in the hospital, marrying your kids, burying your parents. I'm doing all of it. Yay, Pastor Jamie's about to burn out. <laughs> Along with 90% of the churches in the world. Because ministry and life is not meant to be one person trying to do everything. Yeah? But can I tell you, here's the transition. This is what happens. Is that the Lord takes each one of us on a journey. All of us are going through it. And as you understand what God's marked your life for, it means you're going to have to let go of the stuff you're not marked for. But in past seasons, you might have been really good at that. But there's someone rising up who's called to that, and you have to let it go. It's wild, because if you read the story of David, who becomes king, and Saul, who was the king, there's this remarkable exchange, because Saul loves David, but he cannot let go of the idea that his son Jonathan is supposed to be the next king. And so he ends up trying to kill David. But he could have partnered, raised him up, and discipled him. He could have been in a relationship that was life-giving from generation to generation instead of being threatened by the next generation rising up. You have to let go if you're going to come into your destiny. You have to let go. You can't control everything. That's a word for someone. Every transition our church has gone through, it's just meant that I have had to let go of something. It's a wonderful process. It's wonderful. If you consider it all joy. But if you consider it a threat, you're in trouble. Saul's kingdom is torn from him, and David is now the next king. And he's going to go through all sorts of turmoil that he didn't have to go through. Hmm. So an evil spirit's terrorizing Saul. You know, believers being tormented probably means that you're holding on to something that the Lord is asking you to let go of. And he is so kind as to not allow you to pass through your whole life holding on to things like bitterness, like unforgiveness, things that will damn your life, things that will destroy the life he allows you to experience hardship or maybe even some torment, even from demonic stuff. And so while you are binding and trying to prevent the trial from taking place, you don't understand that everything has purpose, all of it. Open your hand and let go of the unforgiveness and watch as the Lord heals you and provides the solution. Let go. Got a few less amens that time. That's okay. We'll keep going. I got you. Don't worry. David's playing the guitar. He notices something. When he plays the guitar, the sheep have peace. Other people also notice it. One of Saul's servants noticed that there's a skillful man who's out there playing guitar. And the peace of God comes with it. So they hire David. They bring him in. 
David plays his harp, his guitar, for the king. And as he plays, the demon leaves and peace comes. So Saul hires him on. He makes him his armor bearer. You're with me. David, who has been marked to be king, is just doing his thing. He's chucking rocks and playing his guitar in the field. And the anointing, the mark of heaven, in the spiritual dimension, angels are going before David and lining up what needs to take place so that David can step into his destiny. It's exactly what happens for you. Your trials and tests, your opportunities, these are coming because God has marked your life for purpose. And so they go before you and set up good works for you to walk in. They create opportunities. That realm is opening up to you as you're stepping into divine purpose because every step is equipping you and training you so that you can fulfill who God made you to be. Can I get an amen in here? Chapter 17, verse 1. Whew, this one's awesome. So David has been hired as an official guitar player. He's traveling back and forth, though. He's living with his dad, traveling to wherever Saul's at. There's not like a temple. There's not, there's not like a palace yet. This is, Saul's moving around the countryside. And so David goes to him. Wherever he's at, plays his guitar whenever Saul's having a problem. If you find peace in times of worship, but you're going to go home to torment, my friends, I'm talking to you this morning. This can be yours all the time. Let go. Let go of the stuff the Lord's asking. Let go of. Embrace purpose. You got this. Now the Philistines were gathered with their armies. armies. Everyone say the Philistines. Ooh. The bad guys, right? They were camped between two mountains, okay? Now, this is real experience. We went to the Valley of Elah, okay? And this is place in Israel. I'm going to have Chad, if you could go ahead and throw up the valley. Okay, that's what it looks like. Real life. There it is. This is where David lopped Goliath's head off. The mountain on the left, this is where Israel was. The mountain on the right, that's where the Philistines drew up lines. All that, like, weeds along the left there, that's actually a stream. That's the stream that David ran into, picked up some smooth stones, and then ran towards Goliath. There it is, right there. You can go to the next picture real quick and then go back to that one. This is the stream. It's right off the, off the course there, okay? Imagine some water flowing. There you go. There's the field. The Philistines had gathered with their armies. Saul and the men of Israel were gathered and camped in the Valley of Elah, and they drew up the battle array and encountered the Philistines. The Philistines stood on one mountain on one side, and the Israel stood on the other mountain on the other, in the valley between them. Then a champion, everyone say a champion. Okay, then a champion came out of the army of the Philistines. His name was Goliath from Gath. He was really, really big, and he had a whole bunch of armor on and a really heavy spear. Okay, summarizing. Goliath came out. He says, why do you come out in battle array? Am I not a Philistine and you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man from yourselves and let him come down to me. If he's able to fight with me and kill me, 
then we will become your servants. And if I prevail against him and kill him, then you will become our servants and serve us. And again, the Philistine said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we will fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Hmm. Champion. A, a champion is someone who represents a people and they go to fight a battle that will provide victory for the people they represent. In this case, the reason why they're choosing champions is because those champions represent their God. Goliath represents Dagon, their God, the God of the Philistines. And Saul is looking for a champion, someone who represent the Lord. But no one's rising up. It's a God showdown. And the idea was this, that whoever wins that one-on-one -on -one combat, it would demonstrate that that God would prevail in the bigger army, would prevail in the battle. And so whoever wins the one-on-one -on -one combat, that God would win the whole battle. So let's not fight and kill off a whole bunch of people. Let's let a champion fight on that God's behalf and decide which God is the best, which God will prevail. And so Saul's looking for a champion. Enter David. Verse 12. David was the son of Jesse. Jesse had eight sons. Jesse was old during the days of Saul, advanced in years. And his three oldest sons went out to battle with Saul. And it goes through their names and explains it. The Philistine would come forward morning and evening for 40 days, he took his stand. Jesse said to David, his son, hey, take your brothers an ephah of roasted grain, 10 loaves of bread, and run to the camp of your brothers. Bring also 10 cuts of cheese to the commander of their thousand. Look into the welfare of your brothers and then bring back news of them. For Saul and they are all men of Israel in the Valley of Elah fighting the Philistines. So David rose up early in the morning. He left the flock with the keeper, and he took the supplies and went just as his dad commanded him. And he came to the circle of the camp when Israel, the army, was going out in battle array, shouting the war cry. So David is just serving his dad. This is what I want you to see today, because every time you face a little trial or a little test, a little opportunity, sometimes we look at the opportunity and we're like, man, that doesn't really fit my destiny, so I don't really want to do it. Like, I'm called to be king, and you're having me deliver lunch. <laughs> Not understanding. Failing to understand that everything is played before heaven. That the Lord looks at the heart, not the outward. That every little opportunity is a test, proving you're ready. Equipping you, making you have endurance so that you can stand and do the thing that God's called you to do. And so David delivers lunch. But as he delivers lunch, whoo-hoo. Verse 21, Israel and the Philistines drew up in battle array, army against army. David left the baggage in the care of the baggage keeper, and he ran to the battle line. 
He entered in in order to greet his brothers. And as he was talking with them, the champion, the Philistine from Gath, Goliath, was coming out. And he spoke the same words, and David heard them. And when all the men of Israel saw the man, they fled from him and were greatly afraid. The men of Israel said, have you seen this man who's coming up? Surely he's coming to defy Israel. But it'll be that the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. He'll give him his daughter for a wife, and he'll make his father's household tax-free. You get the girl, you get rich, and you don't got to be bad. pay taxes for the rest of your life. How'd you like that one? That's a good reward. Okay, something in David's like, tell me more. Okay. Everyone's afraid. Have you seen this guy? This is what's going to happen. David spoke to the men, and he, they were standing there. He said, whoa, whoa, whoa. What will be done for the man who kills this guy? Who takes away the reproach from Israel? Who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he would taunt the army of the living God? The people answered him according to their word and said, this will be done, the man who kills him. Now, Elab, his older brother. Huh. Everybody's got an older brother. You know, an older brother, the one who's going to talk down, the one who's going to criticize, the one who's going to try to disqualify you, the one who is, they're not a gatekeeper. Older brothers are not gatekeepers. Older brothers do not have authority. Older brothers are not standing in your way. They are just there. to help you consider it all joy. Mm -hmm. you need, I need you to see the differentiation because someone with authority, like King Saul, David keeps submitting to. But when the older brother speaks up, he's a peer, he's a brother, and he's trying to criticize and he's trying to talk David out of it. David's destiny is standing before him, and the older brother's like, yeah, you're not qualified. You can't do that. Hmm. So Elab, the older brother, heard when David spoke to the men, and his anger burned against David. He said, why have you come down here? Who's watching the sheep? He's degrading him. Who's watching the sheep, David? Little shepherd boy. I know your insolence. I know the wickedness that you, in your heart, you've come down just to see the battle. Hmm. To criticize, to cause fear, to discredit. That's what older brothers do. That's what that spirit does. It's not going to help you. It'll say it's on your side. Yeah, we're family. And then stand in the way of your destiny. Look at what David does. But David said, what did I do? It was just a question. <laughs> Which tells you something. Because when the anointing is manifesting on you and your destiny is before you, and you even ask a question, all that religious nonsense that people are trying to hold you back with, that stuff will manifest. David asks a question and people pop. Have you ever asked a question in a meeting and everyone got angry? Ah, you might be onto something. Hmm. <laughs> hmm. 
What does David do? David turns away from the brother and he asks it again. Hey, what will be done? See, authority figures are there to help you enter into your destiny. It'll help you. Authority is there to help you, to empower you. It's, authority figures are gatekeepers. Your boss is not Goliath. You may think he's Goliath, but I promise you, if you lop off your boss's head, you're going to jail. You will not enter into destiny. Your parents, not against you. They are not evil. They are not your Goliath. However, the intimidation might be evil. There might be something going on there, but authority figures, they are there to help you. Older brothers are there to discredit you. They will either rally around you and follow your leadership or they'll get in the way. You know, anybody in here Scandinavian? Anybody? Come on, be proud of your roots. Bunch of us, we're Minnesotans, right? Yeah, you betcha, way up north there, you know. Where we eat the loot, the fisk. You know, in the Scandinavian culture, there's something called the Yontalavan. The Yontalavan is the rules of Scandinavian culture. And one of the rules is that one never sticks his head above the others. You never step into something that's beyond where others are at. You would never promote yourself. You would never step into something and, and become greater than. It, it holds you down. It suppresses. It's the older brother thing. There are some things about that culture that are wonderful in terms of like, yeah, because we're family and we're in this together. Yes, but God's marked you for purpose. And if being together holds you back, that's not the right purpose. Are you alive? That's something that needs to be broken off. That's something that you need to step through. But there will be some tension. That's what David's experiencing. Verse 31, when the words of David were spoke to King Saul, Saul sent for him. David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail on account of Goliath. Your servant will go down and fight the Philistine. Now remember Saul, like David's Saul's guitar player. He plays and peace comes. He's not thinking, yeah, David's got the stuff to go beat a champion. That's not what he's thinking. Saul said to David, listen, you're, you're not able to go against the Philistine to fight. Like, you're a youth. He has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant was tending his father's sheep when a lion and a bear came and took a lamb from the flock. I went after him and I attacked him and rescued him out of the mouth. And when he rose up against me, I seized him by the beard and I struck and killed him. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them since he has taunted the angel armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. You know what David's doing? He's pointing to his past trials and tests and saying, hey, I'm qualified. Look at what God's done in my past, and now look at how it lines up with this moment. Okay, this Saul's not an older brother. 
David has to submit to Saul. Saul is that gatekeeper. Saul's making a decision. Will this young man represent God in the field of battle? Because that's the question. It's not, are you qualified, skill-wise? It's, will this man represent God as a champion? And if you're called with purpose, then it will be evident throughout your story, not just this moment. Because your tests before, you'll prevail because of the Lord. The trials you go through, you'll prevail because of the Lord. All of these things line up. Friends, look up here real quick. Okay? Your destiny is laid before you, and you can recognize it by looking at your past trials and tests. Your trials and your tests say way more about your future than like a gift assessment, a personality assessment. Your trials and tests are pointing towards your destiny. What have you gone through? How did God prevail in the midst of your trial and test? What was the antidote? What did he do? Because that is the key to your future as well. Look at David. What's David do? David plays his guitar. He worships. And as he worships, peace comes to God's people and monsters manifest. That's what happens when David's around. David's out in the field playing his guitar, loving on some sheep, worshiping, writing poetry, singing worship to God. The sheep are at peace, and then a monster manifests, a lion, a bear to attack, raw, right? And what's David do? Seizes him by the beard, punches him in the face, and kills him. This is a cyclical pattern for David. He's playing his guitar one day. The servant of Saul says, hey, will you come and do that thing that you do for Saul? So he goes to Saul. He plays the guitar. Saul begins to have peace. From what? The monster that's manifesting. The demonic thing that's manifesting it's come against God's people. It manifests, David deals with it, and we have peace in the land. See, you have no idea which door and opportunity is actually the door of destiny. You won't know until you get there. And your past trials and tests have been proving and equipping you so that you know what to do when you get there. Saul tries to give David his armor and his sword. And he's like, hey, you can't go out there like this. You have a stick and some rocks. That's not going to work for this guy. Look at him. Here's some armor. David tries it on. It doesn't fit. The older generation has become equipped in how to do things in a certain way. And the younger generation is manifesting right now with the anointing on their life. And they don't do things the same way that we would do. Right? So David has to stay true to his story. And so do you. So David goes, hey, this stuff ain't going to work. I got this. Just let me do my thing. I can't go out like this. I haven't tested them. David took it all off. But he took up his stick, and he chose for himself five smooth stones from the brook. 
put his sling in his hand, and he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine came on and approached David with the shield bearer in front of him. And when the Philistine looked and saw David, he disdained him. He was a youth, ruddy and handsome. I got it. Okay, who wrote this? Because every time we talk about David, like, he's so handsome. Like, what is the deal? <laughs> I'm just saying. Like, there's not too many comments on Facebook about my rugged appearance. Like, <laughs> the Philistine said, okay, come on, get over it. Laugh, laugh, laugh. The Philistine said to David, am I a dog that you would come to me with a stick? Like, fetch. Whew. The Philistine cursed David by his God. The Philistine also said to David, come to me. I'm going to give your flesh to the birds of the sky and the beasts of the field. And then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of angel armies. Whom you have taunted. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand. I will strike you down and I will remove your head from you. And I will give the dead bodies of the entire army of the Philistine this day to the birds of the sky and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. That this assembly may know that the Lord does not deliver by sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's. And he'll give it into our hands. Whose battle is this? What's he been equipping you for? You think it's your power that's going to do that? Ah, uh, I don't think so. I don't think so. So David rose. The Philistine rose, drew near to David. They ran quickly towards the battle line. David put his hand in his bag, took a stone from it, and slung it. Struck the Philistine in the forehead. Struck the Philistine in the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead. You think that was all David's thrust? I think maybe an angel got behind that one. You know what I'm saying? He fell on his face to the ground. David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. He struck the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in David's hand. So David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword, drew it out, and killed him. Cut off his head. And when the Philistines, the army, saw that their champion was dead, they ran. Hmm. When the Lord marks your life, it sets you on a course to manifest God's purpose. You would never have chosen the things that you are destined to choose. But when the battle cry goes up, something inside of you will come alive. Others might not understanding, understand it, but the anointing of the Lord, that mark, will compel your confidence you will recognize the pattern of testimonies that God has brought you through, and you'll know what to do. You'll have wisdom in that moment. Your testimonies is how you know that this is yours. This is your moment. Your confidence will be in the Lord. It'll manifest through your words. The enemy will attempt to curse you and cause fear, but the Spirit of the Lord will rise upon you, and you will be victorious. 
The point is not killing giants. That's a great sermon. That's not the point. I don't think you're looking for giants. I know that, like, we, we do conferences. Kill the giants. Eh, you know. Jesus went ahead and did that for you. You should just enter into his victory. Right? Just enter into the victory of the cross and allow the Holy Spirit to equip you. Allow people in the body to equip you. Learn some things. Grow. Look at your story. The Holy Spirit will be leading you. The angels of God will set up works for you. Your story will be consistent from the beginning all the way to the end because God knows how to put a story together. He knows your life. Look back at your tests and trials because they're prophesying your future. What have you gone through? What will you face? How have you been victorious in the past? You'll be victorious again. David goes out to the battlefield. He's giving glory to the Lord. A monster manifests. What does he do? Takes the monster down and gives freedom and peace to the land. That was consistent all throughout David's life. What's your story say? Who does God say you are? Because if we enter in the victory of Christ, the giant has been taken care of. The victory now becomes as you manifest purpose in Christ under his anointing. Just be consistent. Just be clear about who you are. Just do your thing. You don't need to be anybody else. Just do you. David's just out playing his guitar, chucking rocks. But the anointing marked his life to be king, so angels begin to draw him into trials to train him to be a warrior. When David plays his guitar, the sheep have peace, but also the lions and bears manifest. So David learns how to defend the sheep. He learns how to defeat monsters. That's what he does. What do you do? It was the anointing, the mark, that caused one of King Saul's men to recognize that when David plays, this thing happens. So David goes now to the battlefield. The same stuff happens over and over. The moral of the story is that God has marked your life. He knows you. He doesn't waste a thing. Whenever you face a trial or a test, my dear brothers, have joy. Why? Because that test or trial could literally be the gate to your destiny. And it comes in many forms. It doesn't always come with an invitation to stand on a grand stage or lead an army into battle. Sometimes it looks like, hey, can you go bring lunch to your brothers? Can you serve? Because as you serve, those tests and trials are proving something and God's setting you up. And so you don't know if this Grubhub delivery this Uber Eats, this whatever. You're delivering lunch to people. You have no idea that that next one could actually mean you're on your way to the throne. The Lord prepares you with purpose. He does not waste a thing. 
So be authentic. Don't be something different. Be true to who God made you to be. Would you put a hand on your heart? I'm just going to close in prayer here. I want you to recognize something, though. That the Lord is with you. Like he's so for you. And the Lord's been preparing you, testing you. He's looking to see what's going on the inside. He does not look on the outside as men do. Okay? He's not looking for strength or charismaticness or whatever. He's looking to see if this heart will submit and do the Lord's will. Will you walk in humility? Will you learn? Will you receive? Father, this day I'm asking, by your Holy Spirit, would you come and breathe afresh on each one? Lord, I'm asking, to, will you remind them? Father, by your Spirit, remind them. You're leading them and you're guiding them, but you also remind them of the things Jesus has already said. Bring it back to memory, Lord. Grant grace to, to, to stand in these trials and tests, Lord. Grant grace. Help us. Help us to recognize the pattern, Lord. Help us to see what you've anointed us for. Thank you for that, Lord. Listen, friends, don't get discouraged if you're like, I don't know who I am. Bad. No, no, no. Rest. Trust. The Lord has you on a journey. Just take the journey. Just do the best you can. Learn from it. Be humble. Grow. Face your trials with humility. Get help. Walk through them. Don't avoid them. Father, I thank you for this people, a great and mighty host of people. Champions. Champions, each one. You are representing those who will come after you. Are you going to win that victory over that temptation so your kids don't have to keep facing it? Will you be victorious over alcoholism? Will you slay that monster so your kids never have to face it? Will you deal with the generational junk so that your children and generations after you do not have to walk or face those things? Will you walk in integrity in your business and, and serve your leaders with patience and learn and grow will you help your boss isn't your enemy serve and try to make them successful so that the whole will be successful the Lord wants to use you so powerfully do it for good Holy Spirit come upon this people come upon them Lord mom I know that it's hard I really know that it's difficult to be a mom. Dads, I know it's hard. But can I tell you that it's the greatest trial of your life. It is the greatest trial of your life. You are facing a test. And though it be difficult, oh, there's grace for you. Learn. Humble yourself. You're crying out, oh, it's so hard. Get me out of this. No, don't run from it. Walk through it. There is something going on in you. The Lord is ministering to you. He's equipping you. You'll get stronger. You'll get through it. Trust me, we have eight kids. But it requires you dying to yourself. 
the monster is not the child. The monster is your selfishness. You have to die to yourself if you're going to raise up the next generation. It can't be about you. Holy Spirit, breathe that into a heart today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right, church, would you jump to your feet? As you do so, I just want you to put a hand on someone's shoulder. I want you to pray for them. God, give them grace. Help them. Come on, just put a hand near them. Lord, you've anointed them. Come on, declare over them. You're a champion, and God's with you. He's walking you through these tests and trials. You're going to succeed. You're going to be victorious. You're more than a conqueror in Christ. You got this. Just walk it out. Come on, walk it out. You can do it. Run the race that's in front of you. Run it. Don't avoid it. If you're holding on to something, if bitterness or pain or anger or resentment, if you're holding on to that stuff, let it go. Come on. Let it go. Forgive them. Move forward. Let the Lord minister it. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. Church, we're going to pray one last prayer. I want everyone to pray with me, okay? For those who do not know the Lord, this is your opportunity to receive him. For those who have been far away from the Lord, you want to re-engage your journey, this is your opportunity. And for those who have been walking with Jesus, you're part of this army, and you know what I'm talking about today, and you're like, yeah, come on, let's get it. This is your prayer too. You ready? Would you pray this with me? Father in heaven, thank you for sending Jesus our champion that he waged war and won and through this new covenant through his blood sacrifice we receive forgiveness we receive your mercy we become adopted as children of God and today I receive I open the door of my life and I invite you, Jesus, be my Lord. Be my King. Please forgive me. Please wash me. Please prepare me and equip me for your purposes. Thank you, Jesus. Now, Father, I pray that you would breathe your spirit afresh on each one. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Father, I bless your people today. May the Lord bless you. May the Lord keep you. May his face shine upon you. May he be gracious to you as he lifts his countenance upon your life and grants you his shalom. We decree this today in the name of Jesus. And everybody who dared to agree with it said, Amen. Come on, can we give a good clap to the Lord today? Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. It's our hope that God touched your life in a truly meaningful way. And if you were impacted, please let us know by writing a review or share it with friends. If you'd like more information on The House Church, we would love to connect you with our community. Please visit us at ithehouse.org for more information. We'll see you next week.